Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Bull vs Bear, a show in which we test the buy and sell cases for blue chip stocks. This week we are looking at Rio Tinto, one of the largest companies in the FTSE 100 and one of the better performers in the index in 2016-2017. I'm Alex Newman, Deputy Companies Editor at the Investors Chronicle and putting the bear case to me today is Richard Knights, Mining Equity Research Analyst at Liberum, who I'm very happy to have here in the studio. So Richard, thanks very much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the bear case and why you think, as per your recent note, that Rio shares are currently inflated around 20% above their fair value and that investors should probably sell out. Well, I mean, I think it's all about point in cycle as it is with with all mining equities. And what we've seen the last couple of years is um, the sector obviously rallying significantly. Um, I think Rio's share price is probably 130% or so above um, where it bottomed out uh, at the beginning of 2016. And that's been mainly driven by a uh, very rapid uh, expansion in Chinese credit. And uh, around March last year, we started to see Chinese credit rolling off. And um, now if uh, we look at Chinese credit, the way we like to look at it is credit versus GDP. And if we look at 12-month rolling credit growth versus GDP growth, it's actually below, credit growth is below GDP growth, which means it's contractionary. And, and typically in that environment, mining shares will underperform. Um, usually it's about nine to 12-month lead. So we're sort of right in that zone where we would start to see that credit have an impact on on the Chinese economy, and uh, you know where are we seeing it most significantly? We're seeing it in the the property sector, where housing sales, housing new starts um, have 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 started to decline, and are now just about printing negative year on year. Not quite yet. Um, they're, they're still they're still in positive territory, but the, the the trend looks quite clear. So that makes us cautious for demand for Rio Tinto's core product. Which, which is iron ore at the same time as we sort of see supply growing as well. So I, I suppose if I was Rio Tinto's, uh, one of their executives, I would say, or I'd point to, and as they, have, they do in their presentations, that two of their answers to that is that, one, they've got, they're selling a, a, what they say is a premium product that mm. they're, the, and that their <clears throat> cash profit margins have managed to hold up relatively over the last two years, even though the premiums to, to spot price iron ores have sort of danced around. And secondly, that, you know, the mine they've built in Western Australia is has some flexibility built into it so that they are always after value. Obviously, they can't control the yeah. iron ore market because there's so many, you know, there's yeah. several other big players. Mm. A bit, uh, does that not is that that not take some of the pressure out of uh, you know? Yeah, so I mean, I can handle those points um, one at a time. On on the premium point, um, it is true that we've seen the the price for uh, benchmark grade iron ore, which is mainly what Rio Tinto produce, um, um, expand over low grade iron ore. So, you know, benchmark grade iron ore is probably selling for about sixty three, sixty four dollars a ton at the moment. Low grades closer to forty dollars a ton. And that's a pretty high premium compared to what we've seen historically. Um, now, partial, that's partially a function of um, uh, restrictions that we've seen in China on, on pollution, and that has incentivized steel mills to want to use higher-grade iron ore um, because you produce more steel for a given unit of inputs or pollutants. Um, however... The, the, the premium we're seeing at the moment is is actually not inconsistent with the level of steel mill profitability that, that we've seen historically. And what I mean by that is that premium usually tracks steel mill profitability, i.e. 
when steel mills are making lots of money, they're incentivized to want to produce more steel, so they try and use as much higher-grade material as they can. And if we did a little chart um, and plotted uh, spot Chinese steel mill profitability against that iron ore premium, you'd see it's exactly where we expect it to be, given the high level of Chinese steel profitability. Now, my argument is that steel profitability in China is going to fall because of demand. And as a result, you will see the benchmark grade iron ore move back down towards the, the, the lower grade. Interesting. I suppose, uh, I mean, this might be a, a slightly left field factor to bring in, but when we look at um, uh, some of the, the, pe- the pellet pelletized iron ore, I know mm. that's not a market that uh, Rio's mm. involved in, mm. and there are some longer term contracts there mm. that I mean, for Expo, I was looking at their results last mm. last week in this Ukrainian miner. They they produce pelletized iron ore. Mm. They're saying that they can see some quite good visibility of these mm. premiums holding up. Mm. Does does the 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 blended premium product that Rio s- sells not sit somewhere in between there? And not really. I right. mean, for Expo. Um, uh, sells with reference to a benchmark price, right. which uh, I think from re- from memory uh, is is sort of settled every. It's either six to twelve months. I can't remember which, but because of that, they have more visibility. So that that premium is static. They agree that at the beginning of the year, and that's static against a floating um, fines price. Um, Rio Tinto's pricing arrangements uh, are, are much shorter term than that. And, and again, I can't remember the mix, but it's um, a high percentage of them are on spot or priced within the last month. Um, and then there's a smaller percentage on a, on a three-month rolling basis. So uh, they, uh, they, they don't get to fix those premiums. They, those premiums will come down. Uh, in my opinion, if Chinese steel mill profitability comes down, which I expect. Okay. It's probably worth staying on iron ore just for a moment because, sure. as, as you say, I mean, the, it makes up so much of uh, of Rio's cash cash generation. Um Fair enough. I mean, that was quite a technical discussion we had on yeah. on the uh, on the on the actual product. Probably put your listeners to sleep. There. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, but I, I suppose also what counts is and why people buy shares in in Rio Tinto is that mm. you know these these are still pretty high quality assets and the costs mm. are yep. very very low. So with mm. you know looking at sort of thirteen dollars a ton, mm. if you're taking a longer longer view, say beyond twelve months, wouldn't mm. you? Potentially argue that okay, right? There's going to there, there may be some pressure on 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 pricing, and that's going to mm. affect profitability. But longer term, I mean, this this is the sort of asset that survives yes. the dips, the dips and rises. No, in, there's in no circle. question about that. If you want to own iron ore assets, Rio probably has the the, the best assets in the industry. Uh, I suppose my concern with that is you don't know how long these cycles last for. And if we are indeed on a, a down cycle now and we don't have uh, Chinese credit start to accelerate again, then you could see prices for iron ore move into the cost structure, i.e. sort of down mm. from the current $62 a tonne level to $40 uh, for an extended period of time. And in that environment, you know, you could see the shares um, – fall uh, you know uh, probably even more than the the, the, the sort of 20% i'm targeting um i suppose at that point the, the the equation becomes 
different because I, I'd argue that the the, the risk reward is is probably more to the upside there. Mm. But the shares are very volatile, and mining yeah. shares are very volatile, and so it's not that easy for most investors to to buy a share and, and be sitting on a on a you know twenty five percent loss with within a year, and and then have to fight to recoup that back. So I, I would argue you're always best to try and take a view on the on the point in cycle, or maybe not your best advice to take a view because it's very difficult to do. But you should always be cognizant of the point in cycle. This may be a point of agreement, almost that. The longer term, I mean, another China is probably not going to come along anytime soon. No. But when uh, iron ore prices did drop very, very heavily in in 2015, they did then. I mean, there was. I, I know you said this is this is mm. a function yeah. of uh, Chinese credit. Yeah. They did rebound, rebound quite quickly, didn't they? So I mean, yeah. longer term view. I mean, surely we should we should look at a company like Rio in. You know, and smooth smooth the the troughs. Yeah, and, so I would I would I would say there's another uh, factor that you have to consider, and that is um, uh, China's uh, steel consumption relative to its level of GDP, and that it's it's incredibly high. Um, if you look at it versus other developing nations of similar uh, at similar levels of GDP per capita, it, it, you know, it's multiples in terms of the level of steel it's consuming per unit of GDP mm. per capita, um, and it's actually even sort of m- middle to high uh, amongst advanced economies. And so, we would expect Chinese steel consumption per capita and in aggregate to start to decline. And that's before you even consider the impact of recycling. So um, typically what happens as an economy matures is the scrap cycle kicks in, more redundant steel becomes available for recycling. And when you recycle redundant steel, it's smelted in an electric arc furnace, which doesn't use iron ore, or if it does, it uses very little high-grade pellet iron ore. So that would result in a decline in iron ore demand from China on on two fronts. And bear in mind, China's consuming or importing 79% of the world's seaborne iron ore, something like that at the moment. If Chinese iron ore consumption is being hit by a a reduction in intensity of consumption as, as GDP grows and also recycling, you know, I think there's scope from cons- consumption to, to fall from current sort of 800 million ton levels to maybe 600 million tons and i wouldn't expect rio shares to go up in that period of time just to turn away from uh, iron ore if, if, if it's possible one area where it seems to me that rio is planning for the future is coal or the lack thereof so mm. i mean i mean as of as of today they've pretty much divested their entire uh, coal portfolio yeah which jars slightly when you look at the you know uh, glencore and they're talking about their their sort of late stage cycle commodity focus that sort of jars when you see them them very hungry for rio coal assets Mm. and the other thing which you would expect in the coming years is for a discount to be applied to miners with any uh, Mm. exposure to to high carb you know carbon intensive fossil fuels like Mm. coal is that not a possibility that Rio's prepared itself for that sort of future where, you know, large institutional investors are just going to ignore the likes of BHP, Anglo and, and Glencore for the fact that they, they do have um, uh, yeah, I mean, coal operations? I, I think there is, there's definitely a suite of investor who is allergic to investing in coal mm. and for, for whatever reasons has decided that it's not where they want to put their money and that's, and that's fine. And Rio obviously now appeals to, to that suite of investors more than, than say, a Glencore. But 
you know, I don't think there's, uh, you know, in my opinion, if you ask me now, my stance on coal versus 12 months ago, I'd say I'm probably marginally more positive long, right. long term. China has set a range that it hopes that the coal price would be will, will be in, which is comfortably below where current coal prices are. So, you know, I still think that the next move is down. But actually, you know, two years ago, we were thinking of long run coal prices you know, in the $45 to $50 a tonne range, uh, I think it's probably now more like $60 to $65, um, mm. which is well below the current $90, $95. But, you know, I'm probably slightly more optimistic on, on coal prices. But having said that, you know, I think the next move's down. And, and as far as Rio's decision to divest those assets, um, on a, a quick sort of look at the numbers, they seem to have got very good prices, in, mm. in my opinion, for the assets. So I can't, I can't complain you know, if you if you take my commodity view sure. with the prices that they've they've achieved for those sales, it also means they're probably just about slipping into a net <clears throat> net cash position, and they have got a, a pretty strong balance sheet mm. as well. So that's, I suppose, the other part to this is that you know, if there is a tricky couple of years <clears throat> for iron ore prices. They've got the balance sheet mm. this time, and they've not been as expansive as they were in 2012, and they're you know blowing seventeen yep. billion dollars on on capex a year. Yeah, they're looking a lot more defensive yep. as a stock now. Yeah, certainly from a balance sheet perspective, they're, they're you know they're very defensive. And and look, my argument isn't that if we have a rollover in the sector that mm. Rio Tinto underperforms. I mean, I think because of their balance sheet, I think because of the low-cost nature of their iron ore and their aluminium assets, you know, they're, they're very well cushioned and, and, you know, this company will deliver a, an annuity stream of cash flows. But uh, it, it's just where those cash flows bottom out in, in terms of timing an investment decision. And, um, you know, the, with mining companies, I think the sagest piece of advice is always – be looking to, to buy them when they look expensive mm. and be looking to sell them when they look cheap. And if you look, and that's typical of all cyclical companies right. because when you're usually at the top of the cycle, the cash flows are very strong. You know, free, Rio's got a 10% free cash flow yield. It's returning money to shareholders, um, which are all, is, are all very good things. But, you know, if we've learned anything about mining over the last four or five years is that you know those free cash flow yields can go from ten percent to to four or five percent very very quickly. Mm. So in my opinion, it's just it's it's not the time to be buying them. Right, there's a good mm. point to conclude on, I suppose. But my final question, Richard, would be: I mean, Rio is obviously, as you alluded to, there's stepped up its um, share buyback program. Mm-hmm. Does that? suggest timidity do you, do you think that they're you know they don't just don't see projects out there to invest in does that say you know is that an inverse way of saying this is the top of the cycle um you know capital they're not going to be deploying uh in in a big way uh yeah i mean i think it's uh, i think it's also a function of the fact that you, you last cycle in 2011 2012 every company in the sector uh made acquisitions and spent capital on brownfield growth that it probably regrets um and you know this time around that isn't happening and that will mean that the cycle this time is not as violent as it, mm. as it was last time so you know you're, you're probably not going to see the you know the highs and the the lows that you saw 2011 to, to, to 2015 it'll be it'll be much more timid than that so yeah, I think there is definitely a reluctance from management teams to to make any big acquisitions, and there's also a lack of 
big assets out there. I mean, uh, a lot of the mid-tier mining companies have been bought during the last cycle, and there aren't that many sort of tier one assets sitting out there in uh, companies that can be easily acquired without changing your political risk profile mm. significantly, which is what companies like Rio would be probably loath to do. Right. Stuff. Well, Richard, really good to speak to you. And um, for more podcasts, do visit the Investors Chronicle website or go to Acast or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.